Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today bestselling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to day three of the workshop. How's everyone doing today? I hope your week is going well. I hope you're getting lots of writing done. <laughs> I, for one, am kind of not this week. It's a busy week for me. So I haven't gotten as much done as I would like or as I usually do, but I'm looking forward to jumping back in next week uh, once the workshop is over. So it usually takes a couple of minutes for people to kind of wander in. So we're going to give it just another minute or two before we get started. If you're listening, where are you listening from? You guys know I'm in Utah, northern Utah. It's still really cold here for the most part, although we have had some a few warmer days the last few days, I've noticed. Not super warm, not spring weather yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. How are you? Good to see you here. Um, let's see, let's give everyone just another minute or so, and then we'll get started. Whew, it has been a week, hasn't it? <laughs> Hope you guys are getting lots of value out of this. Can everyone hear me okay? Let me know in the chat if you can hear me. If there's ever any technical problems, just let me know. I always keep an eye on the comments. Wow, 60 degrees in Texas. I guess that's not surprising, but good for you. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of over, we didn't have a huge snowy winter here. We definitely had our, our snowfall, but it wasn't massive, but I'm kind of over the cold. I do kind of want it to get warm. So thankfully it'll be March in a few weeks and we'll start getting there. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get started as a few more people trickle in and um, talk about marketing. Marketing is kind of the big kahuna, isn't it? It's what most people want to know about and it's what most people assume they're doing wrong if they're not selling tons and tons of books all the times which sometimes is true sometimes it is the marketing but often there are other things that come into play such as not writing transformational stories or uh, maybe not editing well not having a good book cover you know things like that but marketing definitely does play a big role um you know there was a time in the early days of kindle 2011 2012 where you could just pop a book up on social media or on Amazon and you would get lots of downloads and that is not the case anymore. You know, there's literally thousands of authors putting out books every single month. And while I don't think paid ads are the only way to market or even the best way to market necessarily, they do kind of need to be part of your strategy um, to, you know, it all needs to work together. I wouldn't say that one thing is more important than another, but there are a lot of different um, legs or aspects, if you will, of marketing. And if you can put them together into a cohesive plan, that's when you're going to get the most bang for your buck, the most profitable um, business that you're going to have, sell the most books, have the most fans, all of that. Okay, so 
let's dive in to marketing. I'm going to make this a little bit bigger here. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> there we go. All right. So like I said, it is day three. We're going to talk about how to market naturally and with ease to get your book into the hands of readers who are ready to buy. Um, that's what's, let's talk about each part of this really quickly. You want to market naturally so that you're not feeling sleazy like a used car salesman, right? Because that doesn't feel good. And most authors, when you mention marketing, especially when we're new at this, everybody just sort of clenches, you know, like, oh, marketing, I don't want to do that. We're very afraid to market. And the funny thing is that most people assume that that's because we're introverts. Most authors, not all, but I'd say the majority are introverts. Well, guess what, guys? The definition of an introvert is not being afraid to market. It is not being afraid to be seen on camera. Um, none of that. It's, it's not even being shy. The true definition of an introvert is simply that we, um, so what's the word I'm looking for? Like recharge our batteries, rejuvenate our energy by being alone rather than being with people. Whereas extroverts, it actually drains them to be alone and they recharge by being with people. Okay. That is the only difference between introverts and extroverts. The rest is shyness, inexperience, um, just different aspects of our personality, but it's not the introversion. Okay. So People assume they don't like to market because they're introverted, but that's actually not the case. I think the main thing that we get afraid of about marketing is number one, we don't know how to do it. And number two, we're afraid we'll be judged by it. And that is because we feel like any and all marketing is slimy and very much like a used car salesman, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. The reason I use the word naturally in the title is because there are ways to market that are not sleazy or slimy. Um, that you know how to do it exactly, like follow a process, one, two, three, four, get it done, and it's effective. And your readers and people on the internet aren't going to think you're a terrible person because of it, okay? So you need to learn how to market naturally. And of course, with ease, because if you don't like it, if it's stressing you out, if you don't know what to do, we all know you're not going to do it, right? We just won't. I was the same way. So you want to learn to market naturally and with ease. And that is to get your book into the hands of readers who are ready to buy. Okay. Not just people who are mildly interested in your book, not just people who once read your genre, people who are sitting there at the computer or on the phone with their credit card ready to buy. Okay. That's what we're looking for. Um, this is what we'll cover today. We're going to do a quick recap of actually the last two days. Uh, we're going to talk about why ads don't have to be hard or expensive. We're going to do talk about email marketing, and I'm going to give you some practical tips that you can put into play right now as soon as you, you know, hop off the webinar. Um, we're going to talk about newsletter promos, and I'll give you some tips there. And then we're also going to talk about wide versus, versus exclusive and specifically how that's going to affect your marketing efforts. Okay, so let's dive in. Okay, so um, the first day, which was Monday, actually, we talked about how stories evoke emotion and preserve our humanity and how people crave escapism, which means you actually can change the world with your stories. You just have to figure out how to actually get them written, right? It's a little harder than it sounds, but we talked about different processes to do that, how to train your brain to write more, more efficiently, that sort of thing. And then on Tuesday, we talked about transformational stories and the human template, which is what I call it, um, how people are naturally wired to relate to story. And if you tap into that, and there's not just one template, there's, there's many, but they all follow the same basic you know, upward swing, ratcheting up tension until you kind of hit this climactic moment, right? We're all basically, we're all familiar with the basic, um, you know, what they used to call the, what do they call that? The uh, 
fiction curve or, or whatever they used to call it when we were in grade school. Um, anyway, if you tap into that in a deep and detailed way, you will always forge a very deep, very emotional connection with your readers, and you'll do it every single time, even if your book has other flaws in it. Okay, so it's really important to keep those things in mind so that you have a, a product, a book that is very well worth selling. And I always teach this first before I get into marketing. You know, like I said, most people just assume they need marketing, 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 tell me how to sell my book. But if you don't have those first two pieces of the puzzle in place, all the ads in the world are not going to really help you sustain your business. Okay. You have to get that part right first. Once you have that part right, then now we can move into marketing. Okay. All right. So I have mentioned every single time the three pillars of, uh, for success, for author success in 2022, you need to do the daily writing habit, which we just talked about, the transformational stories. And of course, today we're going to focus on the marketing element. Okay, so most authors, especially at first when they're new and they're starting out, or if they simply, you know, maybe have been going for a while but haven't had any formal training, they tend to just throw spaghetti against the wall where ads are concerned. Now, I've said this once, I've said it a dozen times, maybe not in the workshop, but if you listen to my podcast or anything, throwing spaghetti against the wall is not a marketing plan, okay? It's never going to work for you, it's just not. But I do understand that that's the way it almost always starts because I was that way too at first, you know, for the first few years. I would try different things. I tried different types of ads. I even bought some books on Amazon that are kind of the, um, the basics that get, you know, shared around our space a lot that are just like the little five or $10 books that tell you how to set up the ads and just the basics of doing them. Okay, I did that too. And I would try them, but I just wasn't seeing a whole lot of traction. I would um, do different things. Like many of you, I was on a, a budget. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of money to pour into marketing. Um, and let me use Amazon ads as an example. I got a couple of books about how to do them. I set up some ads and I noticed that if I turn them off, uh, my sales instantly tanked. So they were working, just kind of doing what the book said. You know, I was getting a little bit of traction, but it was very little. I was only making like, 50 to $100 a month, you know, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but, it, you know, you can't live on that. So, and I, I had no idea how to scale them, how to make them better. And I was afraid to try different things because I was afraid that I would end up spending more money than I meant to and end up in all this debt and not have anything to show for it. And of course, that's something that we're all very afraid of with ads. We don't mind spending the money if we get the return. Of course, that's the point. But what if we spend all this money testing and have nothing to show for it? You know, it's such a huge fear that everybody has. And it's, it's a legitimate fear. Um, you know, of course, you're going to have to spend some money to get the ads to work. But it's much easier to be confident about it and to not be scared to death to hit that publish on the ad if you know that what you're doing is going to yield some results eventually, right? So I think we've probably all been there. Um, like I said, I did that with Amazon ads. I was totally lost on Facebook ads, like 100% until I got some help with those. Um, but here's the thing. When you, um, you know, either pay for help, get a coach, you know, attend a workshop like this, talk to an author who's done it before. What you're actually getting is strategies. You're getting what worked for them. So it's not just how to set up the ad and then look to see if it made you any money. It's what to do in detail, step-by-step -step process. It's when, it's which part to implement at different stages. It's um, how much to do, not only with the budget, but with the ads. You know, in some cases you want to do five or 10 ads a week. Other times you only want to do one. And if you screw that up, you're going to end up losing a lot of money. Okay. All of these things are things that 
you really need to get from coaching from people who have done it before and know what works. Okay. So let me, let me show you an example of this. Anyone who's run a, an Amazon ad before this will probably look somewhat familiar to you, but if you haven't, these are different, um, what's the word options choices that you have when setting up ads and they're all you have to pick these for every single ad and they're all different parts so you first have to decide whether you want sponsored product sponsored brand or lock screen i can tell you that there's one you will use all the time and two that you basically want to run screaming from unless you are making a ton of money in your author business these are things that the really big authors mainstream authors do but you do not want to do them when you're first starting out okay um then you there's different types of targeting as you can see there's auto targeted ads manual targeted that use keywords manual targeted that use products you need to know what those are how many of those to do how to do them how to set them up how to read them all of that then you can decide whether you want a standard ad or a custom text ad um one of them is favored high, more highly over the other but it's also more work you know so you kind of got to know what your options are and what would be the best for you um, there's a part where they ask you to pick dynamic bids down only, up and down, or fixed bids. Again, if you've never done this before, you're sitting here looking at this thinking, I have no idea what any of that means. And that's what I would do too. I would kind of go through reading the books that I had gotten and try to figure something else out, but I had no idea, you know, there's so many different variables and what's going to work. And what if I do everything right, but take one variable wrong and I don't even know it and I totally screw up my ads. You know, there's just no way to know if you don't have somebody who knows how to do it, who's teaching you. Um, and then of course, for the keywords, you can target broad, phrase, or exact. The best thing to do, I will tell you, is to start with broad and then once you hit a certain threshold, you can move to phrase. And once you hit a certain threshold, you move to exact. But when I was testing these, I was just doing all three because I didn't know any differently, okay? So this is what I'm talking about. Ads, they don't have to be hard. If you have a step-by-step -step process that you can follow, then you just follow the process and it's fairly straightforward, okay? But ads, much like writing, they're not simple, okay? There's a lot of moving parts and you have to know what to do for each and every moving part or you're gonna have a hard time getting them to work for you. You know, it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of it. And it's probably not going to change anytime soon. So, like I said, they don't have to be expensive or hard. I kind of just explained the hard and I kind of want to compare this to something. Um, Let's compare it to baking a cake. Let's say that you've never cooked a day in your life, never baked anything, never even looked at like individual ingredients versus the finished product. And I took you into a kitchen and I slapped down all the ingredients that you would need to bake a cake in front of you and said, bake a cake. <laughs> okay, if you've never done it before, if you don't even know why a cake needs flour and eggs, if you, you know what I mean? You've got 12 or 15 ingredients in front of you. How are you gonna come out with the right end product, okay? You could start testing and combining ingredients in different amounts at different times, but think about how many variables that are. The chances of you ever coming out with the correct product at the end are minuscule, okay? You're gonna combine a few things here and end up with a mess. You're gonna throw everything together, mix it up, throw it in the oven, and it's just not gonna turn out right at all, okay? That's why we have recipes, right? Because without those instructions, what to add in what amounts and when, there's just no way with that many variables. I mean, if you had a recipe that only had two um, or three ingredients, maybe you could come out pretty close, you know, with that. But when you've got 12 different ingredients, all different amounts, you have to put them in at different times, combine them in different ways, you know, in, in a certain order chronologically, bake at a certain temperature for a certain amount of, I mean, you're never gonna be able to guess all of that unless you already have a really big background in cooking. Well, this is what happens with ads, guys. Most of us 
don't automatically know how to run Amazon ads or Facebook ads or BookBub ads, right? So we are guessing, we are throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping that it works. And most of the time, it's just not going to work. Okay, but if we know how to do this, if we have strategies, then like I said before, it can be easier, not simple necessarily, but you know, you just have a step-by-step -step to follow and that makes it a lot easier, just like following the step-by-step -step of a recipe. You still may need to tweak a little bit. You still might accidentally do something wrong every once in a while, but that's okay. You'll learn from that. And for the most part, you'll get it right to begin with. But you also have a lot more confidence because you know, if you follow this recipe, it should turn out pretty well, barring a few, you know, amateurish mistakes, which you'll learn from and get right the second time, right? Um, that in turn becomes cheaper. So I say they don't have to be hard. They also don't have to be expensive. And the reason for that is that when you know what you're looking for, when you know what to tweak, um, when you're watching closely and know when something goes wrong, then you're never losing money on it. Okay. You're going to, you're going to figure that out really quickly. And they also become predictable. Okay. Because you're knowing what to look for, what to measure and how to tweak it when you need to. So you're not going to have to worry about losing tons of money. And they're also going to get set up and working for you a lot more quickly because, again, you just have a process to follow and you just keep doing it until you see the results you want. OK, so that's what it really comes down to. Ads don't have to be hard or expensive, but you have to know what you're doing first. And that's where most of us go wrong. We have no idea what we're doing. Right. Me included. I was exactly the same way. So um, how do we go about marketing in general. I am going to talk a little bit more about ads in a few minutes, but we're going to start with email marketing. Most of you probably know that email marketing is going to be in many ways, the most important and the most effective marketing that you will do. Um, we hear this all the time in our space. Your list is your most important marketing asset and it needs to be growing all the time. The easiest ways to do that is to have a lead magnet of some kind. And, and tell me where you guys are at. Does, does everyone know what a lead magnet is or is there anyone that's completely confused about that? Oh, wow, it's snowing today for you, huh? Okay, so it looks like most people know what it is. Okay, I'm kind of assuming that you do. Um, if you don't, let, let me know and I can explain it or I could just give you like one sentence on it. Um, a lead magnet is just either a free book or a free, you know, whatever novella, short story that you give someone for free in exchange for getting on your list. And the best way to do this is through sites like Book Funnel and um, Story Origin, My Book Cave, and you can grow your list pretty quickly that way. Okay. So, oh, good. I'm glad you already have a lead magnet written. That's good. That's good. So, once you do that and you start growing your list, you have to understand that these people are going to be the warmest customers that you will have. Now, what I mean by warm, you have like, you probably hear people talk about warm and cold traffic on the internet. Cold means someone who's never heard of you before and is like seeing your ad or seeing your stuff for the first time. Warm is someone who's already been introduced to you. So in the case of an author, it means they've already read some of your stuff, they're on your list, they're getting emails from you, that makes them warm because they know who you are and are already interested in getting your stuff, okay? This is why your email list is so important because these are people who have already raised their hand and volunteered to be on your list. And hopefully they've read that lead magnet, which means they're familiar with your writing. Now, most of them, if they, it's just not for them, they did not connect with it, they'll just take themselves off the list anyway. They'll unsubscribe. And that's perfectly okay. But the ones that are still there, for the most part, some of them eventually will, um, oh, what do you call that? They'll be like um, people who aren't opening your emails and things. And there's, there's ways to, to take them off the list. But 
The ones that are still there and active are the ones who are going to be your best customers, okay? They are interested in your books. They're still on there because they want to read more and they're gonna be, this is where you should be getting most of your customers, okay? So when you have a new book out, you send it to them and you're gonna get a good percentage of your list if you do it right, um, that are going to be buying it, okay? So this is why email marketing is so important. However, <laughs> I have noticed, and believe me, I did this too, um, that people don't optimize their email marketing, most authors. They don't do everything they could to make sure that their list is um, very, very targeted to the readers that they want and that they're very loyal and will buy books. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, most authors think that this is what most authors do. They have the lead magnet and they, um, when somebody joins their list, they send them an email, which of course gives them that lead magnet and um, introduces them. So, you know, this is who I am. This is what I write. This is what you can expect from my emails. And they might have even two or three introductory emails, you know, a little sequence that they set up, which is great. Uh, but after that, they pretty much just send newsletters, uh, which usually include um, book swaps. So they're sending other people's books to their list. Um, and that is so that they can get their books sent to other people's lists. It's a way of um, crossing two different audiences so that you can build yours. And that's that's great. Nothing wrong with that. So their book swaps, their book promos that their books are probably in, such as book funnel promos that you have to share with your list. Or they send emails when they have either a new book out or a new book for sale. Okay, so those are the things that they mostly do. So they're only sending book swaps, book promos, and book sales. Okay, now... I'm not going to say that you can't get some traction that way. I did that for years because that's all I knew how to do. And you will find some fans that way. Okay. If you do your newsletters correctly, um, there are people who are going to love your writing and you will find some fans that are kind of casual fans, some fans that are big fans and some fans that are mega fans. But that, I mean, obviously it works if you can get some traction, but it only works up to a point. Okay. You're going to reach a, 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 sort of a threshold where you're feeling like your list isn't really growing very much anymore. And, um, you know, you're not getting that many buys from your list when you put out a new book, that sort of thing. And another thing that you got to look at is your open rate. I know the open rates are changing uh, because of the iOS updates and everything. They're not as reliable as they used to be. But even so, guys, the industry standard for an email open rate to cold traffic, meaning like, you know, the um, the kind of unsolicited emails that end up in your inbox that you don't remember subscribing to for emails like that, because they're cold emailing people, the industry standard is only a two to 5% open rate. Okay. Not very many people are going to open that because they don't know who sent it to them. Okay. Lots of authors can get higher than that by just doing what I've already described, you know, with the opening sequence and then sending newsletters and they can get a good 15, 20%, sometimes higher. But if you, know what you're doing. <laughs> if you do the kinds of things that I'm going to tell you about here and that I teach, you can get higher than that. You can get, it's very common to get 45, 55% and higher. I'm sitting right now between 45 and 50% for all of my email newsletters that I send to my readers. Okay. You're not ever going to get usually 80 or hundred percent. I don't know, maybe at first when, uh, you know, you send your first email and most of the people on your list are your family or something, you know, there's, there's some glitchy things like that, but overall, you're probably usually not going to get too much more than 50, but 50 is phenomenal. Okay. That's almost unheard of, but you can get that if you nurture your list the right way so that they look forward to your emails. So 
let's get some tips on how to do that. The first thing is to create predictable features within your email. Okay. So instead of just kind of um, throwing things in, blah, 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 you know, do features that people will look forward to and that they will just look for in general because you do them over and over again. Okay. Um, this can be anything. Now, let me, let me give you one caution. If you're not doing something that is book related, reading related, you do run the risk of people opening for that feature rather than for your books. So um, I actually interviewed Andrea Pearson, who's a very successful author on my podcast recently. Um, dang, I should have looked up the number. I want to say it was like episode 98 or something right around there, if you want to look for it. Um, anyway, and she said she had this problem in the beginning. She was being very personal and very vulnerable in her newsletters, telling people about her family and what was going on in her world. And that was great. She even had people who would tell her if they're, if they saw a notification that her newsletter had come in while they were driving, they would pull over to read it. Like they were very, very engaged in her life. The problem was none of them were necessarily buying her books. They were there to read her personal updates. So that's just something to keep in mind um, that you, you don't want to go overboard to where they're not, they're there to read your newsletter rather than to buy your books. You want to gear your newsletter toward selling your books. Okay. Um, but that said, you, you don't have to always stick to book things. Um, there's, you know, this is like the sky's the limit. Be creative with it. Um, I do a foodie feature and that's just because I do bake. This is why I use baking analogies. Um, and I do have people who love that. And I'm sure there are a few people on there that just go there for the food and, and might never buy my books, but it's not a huge percentage. So I don't mind that. Um, other things I do because I write crime, I will sometimes said, send unsolved crime tidbits or historical crime tidbits, just articles, blog posts about them. And, and those are some of the most clicked links in my newsletter. Like my, my uh, subscribers love those. I also write historical. I write more than one genre. So for the historical people, I will send what I call historical tidbits, just little articles and things that they might not know, you know, about history. Um, you know, just things like that. Just sit down and brainstorm what your audience might like and start sending these every week in features. You can even pull them and ask them what they would like to read and, you know, get some feedback from them and then start sending that. Um, so that's one of the things, just creating features that you do all the time. And you don't even have to do them every week. It depends on how often you're sending your newsletter. If you're sending every week, then maybe weeks one and three, you do a particular feature and weeks two and four, you do a particular feature or, you know, whatever you want to do. It's completely up to you how you want to format it. But these are just um, some possibilities. Okay. Um, so Catherine likes to put up polls and surveys to name a character every once in a while. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're pulling your list, Erica. So yeah. And, and that's another way that you can get your, um, newsletter subscribers involved is help that is let them, um, be involved in your writing process in some way. So maybe helping you choose a title. I've done that before. Now I don't just let them throw out any old name. I usually pick four titles that I really like that are very genre specific and everything. And then I let them vote on them because I know that any of them will work and that I like them all. So they're not going to pick one that I hate. If I hate it, don't send it. They'll probably end up picking that one just because that's how things go. Um, picking character names. So I'm currently writing dragon fantasy and I've let them pick some dragon names before they just eat that stuff right up. So um, those are super fun. Another one is to send excerpts of your work in progress. You, you actually can do this for a published book if you want, but you know, once, once those are published and you're working on something new, it's actually funner to do it with something that's unpublished because then your list feels like they're getting things that no one else is getting. You know, they have to be special. They have to be on your list to receive that. Um, this is, this is one of my major, major secrets guys. Okay. 
I send excerpts of what I'm doing and I have people who comment on the excerpts that I'm sending more than any other part of the newsletter. And they'll, they'll be like, oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this character. I'm loving, you know, what, where's the rest of this? When is this book going to be published? Okay. And, and it's actually with my, my dragon book that I mentioned. I've had more feedback about that book than any other book because I've been sending them excerpts. And when I say excerpts, it, it doesn't have to be a whole chapter. Okay. My chapters are long. If I sent them a whole chapter, that would be a lot of words for an email. Just you know, chunk out a thousand words, you know, a couple of pages worth. And the, the great thing about that is you can send that for a lot of weeks leading up to when your book is released and you are going to have an audience that is just there and salivating to buy that book when it comes out. Okay. So that's a big one. Um, inside my Academy, I also teach specific nurture sequences that you can send, like giving you the actual copy to put in the email and everything. And I even do this with books on the backlist where you try to get them, you know, guide them through your backlist. But one of the things I do is send them the first couple of chapters of that book, because if they're, if they read those chapters and they like it, they're going to go buy the book. If you just give them the book and the blurb and say, go buy this, they might be like, eh, maybe later. Right. But if you can get them into the reading of the chapters, that makes all the difference. Okay. So I would really, really encourage you to do that if you're in a position to do it. Um, and the final thing is you want to use what you have already created to email your audience and sell your books to them. What I mean is your world, your characters, your internal arc, your external arc, um, the details, you know, the um, if you have like a code of ethics for your characters, if you have a personality for your characters, all the things that you have already outlined, you, I mean, up to this point, you've done all of your outlining, you know, you've kind of kicked out your plot, you've, um, you know, inside the academy, I teach a lot more details about what to plan about the world, about the internal conflicts, about all these different things. Guys, when you get all of that planned and outlined the way we talked about on Tuesday, and it's, you know, very transformational, you have dozens, if not hundreds of possibilities for how you could email your people and pull them into the story using what you've already planned. And you can do that even before you start writing if you want, if you've outlined your story, okay? That is going to be the most effective way to pull them into the book and make them want to read it. Let me give you an example. Um, one of the sequences I teach, I tell you to use the characters to email your list. So um, I have a character, character named Carl in uh, one of my, it's my dystopian sci-fi series. And he's kind of the uh, comic relief. He's kind of goofy. He says funny things. So I have him email them in his voice and he makes lots of funny comments, but also talks about his story. And they really like that. You know, if they've already read it, they love Carl and know who he is and are excited to get an email from him. And if they haven't, that makes them want to read his story. Um, I have another one that I did for my crime fiction where I had the detective, the main detective in the story, email them. And I got tons of feedback about that. People going, oh, we loved it. We loved that that you know, detective Gabe emailed us and, and that was super cool. And now I'm going to buy the book. And okay, I'm telling you guys, this stuff works. But this is how you market naturally. Think about the difference between this, which is sending details of your books that your character or that your um, readers can get immersed in, like the character emailing them, like talking about the world and the conflict versus getting on Twitter and yelling, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. You see why this is going to be a lot more effective. And it's already grounding your readers in the world that you've created and making them want more. Okay. So these are some of the most effective ways that you can email your list and get them, you know, guide them through your backlist or get them to, to buy your new book. Okay. Are there any questions or comments about that before we move on? Let me grab some water here. Um, let's see. I haven't started a list, but you're waiting for everything to be in place. 
Yeah, I would start now. Um, once you have some idea what your book is going to be, you know, if you do some outlines, you'll have stuff to email them. And of course, like I said, doing the newsletters isn't a bad thing. It's just not the only thing you should be doing. So you can still send them newsletters. You can send them bits and pieces. Even if your book's not finished yet, it's best to start early rather than rather than late. All right. So now let's talk about newsletter promos. First of all, let's kind of um, <laughs> uh, define what they are. Don't don't get newsletter promos mixed up with sending an email newsletter to your readers. Okay, that's what we were just talking about, a newsletter that you write, put these features in and send to your readers. An email newsletter promo, I guess I shouldn't call it email, just a newsletter promo, is something like BookBub, where you pay a company to put your book in their email that they send out to their list, which is massive. So you get a lot of new readers that way. Now, despite using BookBub for the graphic, because I know BookBub is one that people know, I actually wouldn't encourage you to do BookBub right away until you have at least uh, three to five books, because it's really, BookBub's really expensive and it's hard to recoup that if you only have one or two books, okay? But there are a lot of promos that are like that. There's, um, let's see, Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy, um, Robin Reads, uh, ENT, BookSense, Book Gorilla. I, I mean, there, there's, there's literally, literally dozens of them. And um, if you want to know where you can find them, Kindle Printer has a really good list that gives you all of the free and paid ones. And actually there's an easier, hold on, there's an easier. If you go to um, bit.ly forward slash paid NLs, you can, it's, it's also this link, but I put it into a bit.ly because that's a long link to put in. So um, you can write that down or you can, um, you can even just Google Kindle Printer free and paid book sites, you know, it's, it's not that hard to find. And understand, I'm not, I'm not an affiliate for this. I'm not getting anything for it. This is just, this is what I use too. Um, so here's what I would do. It's really probably not going to be terribly cost effective to be doing paid ads before you have at least three books. And often I recommend more like five. So if you are first starting out or you only have one or two books, um, don't worry about them too much yet. You'll get to the point where you need to use them. And, you know, at that point, you're going to want to learn. But starting out right now, I would just stick with the newsletter promos. Um, they range very broadly in how much they cost. Some are only $15 or $20, some are $50, some are $100. Like I said, BookBub tends to be closer to $1,000. It's really expensive. And that is because BookBub is king. You will get the most readers if you do that, but most people can't afford it at first. Um, but I would go through these promos. And the best thing to do, here, let me take this off for just a minute. I'll put it back on. But just so you guys can see this. Um, I tell people to do one paid promo either per quarter or per month. It's going to depend on how much you can afford to do and also how many books you have. Um, if you're doing one per month and you only have one book, you know, it, first of all, there's a lot of places that won't accept your book more than once every three months. So you're going to tap out your audience really quickly. Whereas if you have multiple books, you could do different books on different months. Um, but even if you just do one a quarter, what it does is you'll get a whole bunch of downloads. Like let's say you do a bargain booksy, you might get three or 400 downloads from that. And then you can kind of ride the tail of those sales for a couple of months. Okay. So when you're first starting out, this is going to be the best bang for your buck, because if you're doing paid ads and you don't have much of a backlist for readers to keep reading after they read that first book, it's going to be hard to be very profitable. But here you're just spending one amount of time, chunk of change one time, and that's it. And then you get a whole bunch of downloads from that. Okay. And so you can also get new readers that way. If you have 
um, a link in your back matter for them to get on your list. You can grow your list that way. So it's just, it's pretty effective when you're first starting out, don't have many books and don't have much money. So I would highly recommend that you look at this list of sites and just look at your finances, figure out what you can afford and start doing this to begin with. Okay. Um, if you're going to do the free sites, there are a lot of free book sites out there too, but you have to understand that the reason that they're free is because you're not going to get very many sales from them. So a lot of these paid ones, you, like I said, you can get from, you know, dozens into hundreds, but the paid ones, you're going to be lucky to get more than three or five downloads from them, just depending on the site. And that's why they're free because they don't have very big lists. Now that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing to use them, especially when you're starting out. Sometimes if you don't have the money um, for paid ads, or paid promos in this case, um, you know, you're, you're trading time for money because you don't have the money. So you're going to use time. And what you might want to do is apply to five or 10 of these free sites per week, knowing that you're only going to get a handful of downloads from each one, but it will still keep your book moving. And that's super important, especially for Amazon's algorithm. Okay. Because if it's constantly seeing, even if it's very low level, you're only selling four or five books a week, <coughs> excuse me, but they just see that your book is constantly moving and, and, and consistently making even a small amount of sales that really does prime the algorithm. And naturally it will kick in and give your book more visibility, which means overall more downloads and more sales, you know, without you doing anything extra. So that's really important to do. And this is, should be part of your marketing plan. Just block out time each week or each month or whatever it's going to be and apply to these sites. I mean, it's not, super stimulating, right? Um, if you if you kind of batch apply, then you can just kind of copy and paste into each site and you can whip through it pretty quickly. But you know, it's not going to be probably your favorite hour of the week, but just just do it because it'll get you those first sales when you're first starting out and start to grow your audience slowly. And you'll see some results, even if you only have one or two books and almost no money for marketing. Okay. These are these are what will work in the in the beginning. Um, and then once you have enough books and have a little bit more money, I start telling people to apply for a book bub as often as possible. Now, the book bubs are the expensive ones, and you're not going to just get it every time you apply. Most people apply 10 to 20 times for every one time that they get it. There are some people that say they never get a book bub. They try, and it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Book bub doesn't want to sponsor them. Um, other people get it more often, and there are some tips and tricks that you can do to make uh, BookBub want to um, accept your book more often. But again, I just say apply as often as possible because even if your book is totally optimized for BookBub, there's still a lot of competition. You're still not going to get it very often. So just apply, apply as often as possible once you reach the point where you, you know, can't afford it. All right. So that is what I would recommend for newsletter promos, especially when you're starting out. Any um, questions about that or concerns? All right, it's a little bit of a, de a delay, so I just want to give it a minute to make sure nobody has any questions. Okay, let's talk then about wide versus exclusive and how this is going to affect your marketing efforts. Most of us know that it is a lot more business savvy to be wide versus exclusive, simply because it's the whole don't put all your eggs in one basket sort of thing. But a lot of people when they start out do stay exclusive. And I did for a lot of years. So believe me, I totally get it. Um, however, I would highly recommend that you as soon as possible, start cultivating a wide, obvious, a wide audience, sorry, rather than an exclusive one. 
And there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, like I said, the biggest thing is that it's just smart to di diversify your income. If Amazon ever goes down or if you lose your account or get kicked off or anything like that, you don't want your entire income to tank. Now, that doesn't happen to very many people. It's a small percentage. But guys, lately, it's been happening a lot. OK, um, for one thing, about a month, month or two ago, Facebook went down for 24 hours or so. Maybe it wasn't quite 24 hours. Everybody lost a lot of money. Everybody who run ad, runs ads there, Facebook itself, lost like a billion dollars because they were down for 24 hours, okay? And yeah, that was Facebook and that has to do with Facebook ads, not necessarily Amazon. But the point is it can happen. And when it does, it happens suddenly and it can really, really affect your income. So it would be better to grow audiences on many platforms. And then if something like that happens, it's very easy to pivot and just you know put a little more attention into these other platforms to make up for it. Um, it's the kind of thing that most people don't want to do because it is a little harder. It does take a little more work, but you want to get it done and feel secure before something like that happens. Because when it does, you can't cultivate those audiences in a few hours, right? It's going to take a lot longer than that. So it's better to start now. Now, the other thing that was happening at the beginning of the year is that, um, there was some sort of glitch in the, in the Amazon algorithm. And there was a lot of people getting their accounts deactivated because, what it usually said was that it was something about their books being found on other platforms. So like they said they were exclusive to Kindle Unlimited, but but Amazon was saying that it found their books elsewhere. So they were getting in trouble for that. Well, the vast majority of them, that was not the case. Okay. They, um, a lot of them were in KU, but they didn't have their books up anywhere. And when they talked to Amazon about it, Amazon couldn't find you know, where that book had supposedly been found. So it was just a glitch in the algorithm that was doing this. Um, most of them did get their accounts reinstated, but guys, it, it sometimes takes a week, okay? And then you're losing a week worth of income. Whereas if you had books on other platforms, you could maybe, you know, focus on those platforms a little bit more, you know, run ads a little more heavily to those platforms. And then you wouldn't be in such a, a troublesome situation because you just lost all your income. Okay, so these are just things to keep in mind. I'm wide myself. Um, I, I really recommend going wide. And if you don't know how to cultivate those audiences, I'm going I'm to talk about some ways to do it here in a minute. But there is a really great Facebook group called Wide for the Win, and it's all wide authors versus KU authors. So that's a really good resource if you um, are thinking about being wide and want to know how. That was one of my problems in the beginning. I didn't want to go wide for a while because everyone said it was so much harder to um, get sales that way and that your income was going to tank and, and that sort of thing. But if you have a plan for it and you know what you're doing, then it's not as hard as people make it out to be, I promise. Um, another thing that you can do is you can cycle your books in and out of KU. This is something I was going to start at the beginning of the year, but because of um, some, some personal issues, it kind of got pushed back. And so I haven't started doing it yet. But the idea is to take, um, for example, I write four different genres and maybe I could just do one genre at a time in KU. So I would pull it from the other platforms put it in KU for 90 days, which is about a quarter of a year. And then the second quarter, I would take that one out, make it wide again, and maybe put my crime fiction in. And then the third quarter, I would take that out, make it wide, put in uh, my dystopian, you know, things like that. And of course, if you if you don't write many genres, if you only have one, you could put different books in at different times, or maybe do one series at a time. So that's something to keep in mind. You don't have to go 100% wide or 100% exclusive. You could kind of you know, as long as you don't have one book in KU and wide, that's that's the big no-no that you're not allowed to do by Amazon's terms and conditions. But as long as you're not doing that and any book you have in KU is not wide and, you know, vice versa, you should be okay. And then you can also get those KU reads sometimes and just sort of cycle in and out. So 
that's what I would recommend. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't actually done it yet. I'm planning to test that this year and see how it goes. Um, and I will, you know, let people know how it goes, but, um, just, just things to keep in mind. You have to do what's right for you. And like I said, if at the beginning you're going to be exclusive, I totally understand that, but I wish that I had gone wide sooner. And the main reason I didn't is because I didn't really know how, um, but here are some ways that you can do it. First of all, the newsletter thing that we already talked about, if you do, because most newsletters have wide audiences, they're not just Amazon audience. So if you do a newsletter once a quarter or once a month or whatever you can afford, you're hitting wide audiences by doing that. So that will help you grow on multiple platforms. The other way is that there are some retailers such as Kobo and Barnes and Noble that have in-house promos. Um, what this means is that they are promos that you actually go apply for on their sites. So Kobo has Kobo promos and, you know, they're going to reach very much. Um, they do reach the U S but also Canada, the UK, um, New Zealand, you know, they're, they're mostly the English speaking countries outside the U S so you can cultivate audiences there. And I find that about one in three, I get accepted. That's actually pretty good. You know, so I just go every single week, block out some time and apply for any of them that might, um, that my books would qualify for. Some of them will get, some of them I won't, but when I, when those promos run, I do see sales on Kobo. Okay. So this is a way to create my income on other retailers. Barnes and Noble is the same way. They have different ones you can apply for. Um, they are a little bit harder to get, whereas Kobo is one in three. I find that I only get accepted for once every 10 to 20, you know, Barnes and Noble ones. So it's not as easy to get them, but still you just go and apply and you'll get some, if you keep up and keep doing it, you'll eventually get some, and then you can start cultivating an audience on Barnes and Noble. Okay. So there are ways to do this, but you have to put it into a plan. You have to sit down, decide when you're doing it, because if, you know, we all know if we don't do it, if we're just like, Oh, we'll do that sometime. You're not going to do it. You got to write, you got to live your life. You've got families and jobs and all of that. Okay. You have to create a marketing plan, sit down and do it. And the easiest way for me is to not necessarily try to mix it with writing time. So you might have one day that you sit down for two hours and you figure out all of your promos, um, maybe check out your ads if you're running ads, uh, figure out what you're doing for the next month, you know, to make sure you don't miss anything. Do all of that at once. And then it's just an hour or two a week that you do it. And the rest of the time you can focus on writing. Okay. That's, that's probably what's easiest. And um, yeah, I mean, guys, it, yeah, it's extra work. But if you want your books to sell, if you want to turn this into a business, this is part of what you have to do. And once you get into a rhythm of it, you know, the first time you do it, just like anything, it's probably going to be a bit of a drag and you're going to be like, Ugh, I would rather be writing, you know, hashtag, I would rather be writing. But once you do it a couple of times, you'll be able to whip right through it. You know, you like anything else, it becomes second nature. Um, okay. So any questions on this or comments? Uh, Sarah says, I was thinking of starting in KU to keep things simple and then going wide after a few months. Yeah, you can do that. And, you know, there are some authors who actually kind of do both or well, one or the other, there's a couple different ways you can work it with each book. So they'll either bring their book out wide first and give it to their email list, but they'll say this book is going into KU in a month. So if you want it, you got to buy it now and they will sell it, you know, on their site and, and really push it to their email list and maybe run ads for other retailers for a month. Then they'll pull it and put it in KU. Or sometimes they'll do the opposite. They'll say, okay, this is going in KU for three months so that I can hit those KU readers and that audience. Then after that, I'll pull it. So um, people who are wide aren't going to be able to get it for about three months, you know, while it's in there for 90 days. But you, the point is you can do both, okay? It's very possible to do both. And I know that I need to do a little bit better on that. That's something that I'm still kind of struggling to get a system down with. But the system, the process is what's really important. If you have a calendar, you write down exactly what you're doing when so that you're not accidentally mixing them up and 
taking something from KU wide when it's not supposed to be or anything. And the other thing is, if you're going to do that, you have to let, make sure you let your list know. Okay. Because you're going to have people that are going to go, Hey, I'm wide and that's in KU. I wanted that, you know, but if you let them know and say, you have to get it now, I mean, there's probably going to be a few people that will miss it because they didn't check their email, but you know, most of them are understanding about that. And at least you'll get most of them and they'll know to look for your emails. So, you know, especially after they've been following you and you've had one book, you know, and you let them know, this is the way that I do things. They will look for those emails so that they don't miss your book. Okay. So it's just about kind of training your list, but also just having specific processes in place so that you can get that done. And you just have to sit down with the calendar, figure out what works for you, fill it out and abide by it. Okay. The, the actual abiding by it might be the hardest part, <laughs> but once you get down a habit and a system, then it's, then it's not so bad. Okay. Um, any other questions about that? All right. All right. So we've gone over these six habits a lot. We did them in each of the other trainings, but I want to specifically talk about how they um, kind of correlate with doing marketing. You need to seek clarity, okay? People who are successful seek clarity in everything. So if you want to be successful at ads, you have to seek clarity about those ads or the marketing, the newsletter, promo, what have you. And that really does mean being purposeful and being um, self-aware. So it's about keeping records and figuring out what works. So you might start going through newsletter promos and realize that um, for your particular book, for your particular genre, free booksy and bargain booksy work awesome, like gangbusters. You get lots and lots of downloads. But when you do Robin Reads, for whatever reason, you know, readers who are on that newsletter just aren't as excited about your books, you don't get very many. So then you'll know that moving forward for maybe other books in the series or other books in your genre. And you're keeping records about what works so that when you maybe go to get a book bub and you want to stack promos, you'll know which ones are going to work for you. OK, that's what Seeking Clarity is. Um, the other one is, uh, making sure you're figuring out, usually you can tell what's not working. You know, I always say, figure out what's not working and then why the, what is pretty easy. If you're running an ad and it's not profitable, or maybe it is profitable, but it's just not spending anything. Well, that's, what's wrong. Something's up with the ad. It's not working. Okay. But why is it not working? Even if you don't know the best way to seek clarity is to seek out someone who does know and figure it out so you can fix it. Okay. Because. I got news for you. The most successful people in the world are not lucky. They did not throw an ad, ad up on Amazon and just lucked out and it started making them all this money. Okay. They have the exact same problems that you do trying to get their ads to work. The thing, the difference is that they don't give up. They figure out why it's not working and then they fix it and move forward. Okay. And then they'll hit another snag. Again, they'll seek clarity. They'll figure out why it's not working. They'll move forward. Okay. That is what successful people do when they, when you have people that throw up their hands and go, oh, this just doesn't work for me. Well, of course, you're never going to be successful if that's the way you approach it. You know, there are ways to fix it. There are ways to build on it, but um, you have to see clarity. Uh, purposely generating creative energy for ads. This really comes down to, like I've been saying this whole time, um, scheduling, you know, blocking out time to do it. We are all creatives. So that means that we're very much more right brain than left brain. And we don't enjoy the left brain stuff. Now, of course, we can enjoy it if it's working, if we know what to do and we can see that our ads are making us all kinds of money, then it's very enjoyable. But trying to slog through and get it to work, that's always going to be harder for creatives, okay? Because we're not the business minded, we're not the left brain. But you have to purposely generate the, the energy, I guess it's not creative in this case, the energy to do your marketing. One of the best ways to do that is, like I said, just to 
um, seek out those who know how to do it, a step-by-step process so that it's not stressful, and then block out time when you always know this is what you're going to do it. And that just gives you a sense of freedom because you'll know, first of all, that it's done. You know, you're not avoiding it. You're not throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping something sticks eventually. You got it done. But then the rest of the week, you're free to do your more creative pursuits. Okay. That's how you create, purposely create the energy to do your ads. Be comfortable with the high stakes. You do have to be comfortable spending a little bit of money to get the ads and promos to work for you. So you have to be willing to spend money on the promos to get those downloads, the newsletter promos. And then you have to be willing to spend money on the ads to test them and get them to work for you. But like I said, it's a lot easier to be comfortable with those higher stakes. And let's let's face it, money is always a high stake. I'm not even talking about spending $1,000. Even if you're spending $100 a month, that still feels like a high stake because you're afraid that you're not going to see a return. And if you don't have a big budget, believe me, I've been there. I've been in the place where 10 bucks felt like really high stakes because that's all I have to spend this week. And what if it doesn't do me any good and I just flush it down the toilet? You know, I, I get it. Money always feels like high stakes, but you have to be comfortable will be, being willing to you know, spend that money and, and be comfortable with that high stake of money in order to get the ads to work for you. And once you do become more comfortable with it, just say, you know, it's a tax write-off at the end of the year. This is what I'm spending. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make it work. Then it becomes a lot easier um, to figure out the ads because you're taking away your own stress by doing that. You know, there, you're going to get a lot more flowing <laughs> of the marketing and of the impressions and of the downloads. If you just relax and, and kind of figured out. And that's not to say that you should just throw all your money at it and not pay your bills. Of course not. But whatever you do have to spend, just relax. Know that this is going to help you in the long run to sell more books and be comfortable with those high stakes. Um, put productive processes into play. I've been talking about this this whole time, right? Just figuring out the process, what to do, when to do it, how to do it, how much to do it. And then of course, blocking out time to do it. Influence intentionally. Um, this is a little different with ads because really what this comes down to is putting your book in front of the readers who want it, okay? So you're intentionally saying, you've read this kind of thing before, this is the kind of thing you like, now why don't you check out what I have to offer you because I think you'll like it. Okay, that's your intentionally influencing them. But I, I would say the biggest way you do this, I mean, of course you do it through ads by um, getting your book in front of them using you know whatever ad, but also through your email newsletter, right? Because you're intentionally saying, here's my character. Here's the conflict they're facing. Here's the world I've built. Um, I think you would like it. You tell me, you know, and then giving them a link. So you're influencing them intentionally and trying to guide them into a specific book or maybe through your backlist, through all the books you have. And then demonstrating courage, which of course we know by now just means taking action. And guys, I understand that's the hardest part, okay? You can know all the stuff in the world, but it's still hard. You're still kind of getting over a hump in order to take that action. And uh, when you do, you'll find that everything changes. Like I said, I was totally lost on most of the stuff until I actually took action to, you know, talk to people, coaches who knew what they were doing to get me help for it. And then all of a sudden I went from completely floundering and blustering around and only seeing 50 bucks a month or, you know, whatever it was for that month to, whoa, my ads are working and I'm getting like a three-time return. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> you know? But it was taking action to get these processes into place and to learn what I needed to learn that actually got me there. Okay. So those are how the six habits kind of play into marketing. Now, um, here's the thing. I know I haven't necessarily shown you how to set up an ad. Um, I could do that. I could definitely take the time and show you how to set up an Amazon ad. But as I've said, without strategies, without processes, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. And there are plenty of books and free, you know, YouTube videos out there that will show you how to set up the ad if you want to. 
you really need more than that. You need processes, you need to see it in real time, you need to know what to do when, all of that that I've already talked about. Well, my Fiction Author Business Academy opens its doors tomorrow. Um, I'm not going to talk about it in great detail today. <clears throat> I'm just letting you know that it's going to be open, but I'm, I am going to talk about it a little more tomorrow when we um, do our training where it's putting all of this together into kind of a cohesive um, plan for 2022. So I want, you know, put that on your calendar. I would love you to be there for that because even if the Academy is not for you, you will still be able to move forward with some of these tips and the way that I show you to do it. And hopefully, you know, have a, a better year hopefully, than you did in 2021. That's always our goal, right? To do better this year than we did last year, even if it's only by a little bit, even if we did pretty well last year, let's just level up a little bit. But um, if you, what I'm going to do is at the end of the webinar, I'll just invite you to join me in the Academy if that's something that you're interested in. Now, the Academy consists of basically two parts. There is a course, and the course is what teaches most of what I've been talking about for the workshop, okay? It teaches in detail how to, um, you know, get your writing process down, how to slowly train your brain to write more and more and more words so that you can write more effectively, more efficiently, you know, more words per day, per session, all of that. Got a whole, it's called the 75 day writing toughness challenge. And I teach you how to do that, how to be very self-aware, how to slowly over incrementally over time, get to the place you want to be. So I always say, if you want to write 5,000 words a day, you can do that. If you want to write 10,000 10, words a day, you can do that. You just have to, I show you how to get there because obviously it's not something that's going to happen overnight. The second part um, talks about how to write transformational stories. I told you on Tuesday that there are processes and templates for world, character, internal, external, and then nuances, okay? And then how to put them all together so they all flow and mesh together and make this very cohesive, very detailed, very affecting story. Okay, so that's part of the... Uh, the course as well. And then the course also gives you the third part, which is ads. Now it does tell you their modules about how to set up and I do have strategies in there. Um, so you can certainly learn what you need to learn just by doing the course. But the second part of what I have to offer you is a membership and you'll actually get about four months free of the membership with the course. It's just built in. You get four months. So you can kind of see what it is as you're going through the course and if it's for you. If you want to stay on longer in the membership, you can, but after the four months, if you don't want to, that's fine too. It's totally up to you. But what we do in the membership is I go live once a week. I do coaching. I do hot seats, but a lot of what I'm going to be doing is ads. We will go through together to set up different types of ads. So one month we'll probably focus on Amazon ads. I'll show you how to um, scrape keywords how to set them up. And they'll say, okay, we're on week two. This is what you need to be looking for. If your ad is doing this, you do this. If your ad is doing that, you do this. If uh, you're seeing this, then you're going to need to tweak this way. And so we'll do them in real time with you looking over my shoulder and me telling you exactly what to do each week. And then another month, we'll focus on Facebook ads. Another month, we'll probably focus on uh, BookBub ads. We can do TikTok. We can do you know lots of different things. But that is what the membership is. It's ongoing, me coaching you, if that's something that you want. So like I said, I will give you a lot more details about that tomorrow. But I want, I just wanted you to kind of be thinking about that and that you can get what you need from the course, certainly, but, and it's a lot more detailed than, than what we've gone through in the workshop, but you can also get ongoing training in the membership if that's something that you're interested in. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> the homework for today, I would like you to go to the list of free and paid promo sites. Let me put that URL up again. There it is. Um, sit down with a calendar and plan when you're going to send your promos and, and do this tailored to you. You know, if you only have $100 a quarter that you can spend, then just do one promo a quarter. That's not a big deal. Okay. And if you only have one book, honestly, that's probably best so that you're not tapping out your audience or anything. 
Um, but if you can afford more, you can sit down and figure out if you want to do the free sites, you know, sit down and do a few of them every week. Just figure out where, what your budget is, what your time is, and come up with a plan. It's, 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 guys, this is a marketing plan, okay, for your book. When you're going to do this, how much you're going to do this. And as you get more downloads, you'll, you know, have a little more money to work with. As you write more books, certainly you will, you know. So it's just something that you have to start doing very purposefully and actually show up and do it. That, you know, it sounds almost too simple. I think in a lot of times people think, oh, well, this can't be how to market a book. You know, certainly everybody would be doing this, but <laughs> that's the thing. They're not. <laughs> Most people, 99% of authors will never sit down and do this. Okay. So if you do it, you're going to be way ahead of the curve. Um, if you're wide, also go check out Kobo and Barnes and Noble in-house promotions. If you already have your books on those platforms, just go to your dashboard. There should be a promotions tab. If there's not and you can't find it, then you might need to email um, either Barnes and Noble or Kobo's customer service. And um, sometimes when you first start out, it's not on there and they have to put it on there from the back end. So either email them. But once you have the that promotions tab, you just click on there and you can fill out their promos. And once again, especially, especially with Kobo, I was amazed at how quickly I saw sales. Okay. I went wide. I started doing those promotions. I thought it was going to take months and months to get sales, but a few of those promotions and I had sales, you know, and, and pretty significant sales. So this is really something you should be doing if you're wide. If you're not, you're leaving money on the table. Okay. Um, questions, comments. Let's see. Uh, you love Dave, David Kindlepreneur. He's he, yeah, you guys should follow David Kindlepreneur. He's uh, very knowledgeable about what works to sell books in our space. So he's definitely someone worth um, paying attention to. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea, Sarah. She says, um, I haven't published anything yet, but I'll make a list of newsletter ideas to start building a mailing list. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I teach is to create a nurture sequence that can be running automatically in the background while you do other things so that you're not constantly only having to send live emails. You know, maybe you only want to send your newsletter, your live email once a month, but then you can set up um, different kinds of automatic emails to go out and guide them through your backlist. You know, the point is, if you can get things set up in advance, then they're working in the background while you're doing your writing. You don't always have to be right there in the thick of it worrying about it. Okay. But also if you're worried that, you know, you're, if you're someone who freezes up because you don't know what to send, I mean, believe me, I've done that before. I'm someone who needs to be very prepared. I can't, <laughs> you know, I, I did not just sit down to have this conversation with you guys off the cuff. You know, I had a PowerPoint, I had notes, I had things that I knew I wanted to talk about um, because I get too nervous and I'm not someone who can just vamp, right? At least not very well. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're nervous about that, sure, sit down and write down 50 ideas for newsletters and you will have a newsletter idea for every single week of the year, you know, do that. It's called batching. You do it all at once and you don't, you know, you don't necessarily have to put the emails together, although you could. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great idea, Sarah, is just make sure that you're prepared and that way you're not kind of caught deer in the headlights. I don't know what to do all of a sudden, you know, but you'll also find that as you start sending them and doing it over and over again, you won't, you won't feel that way as much. You know, you'll, you'll get used to it. You'll start coming up with ideas kind of in the middle of your week for what you can send, you know, things like that. So, but that is a really good idea to get started. Um, let's see any other comments or questions. We went a little bit less time today than we have the other days. Just give it a sec to see if anybody has anything else to say. Okay. So 
So um, here's the thing. Tomorrow we will be, oh, I, I've been meaning to tell you, I'm actually going to push tomorrow's training by a couple of hours. I will probably do it at noon instead of at 10. Um, I just had something come up in the morning. And uh, actually, we might get more people able to attend if we do it at noon. So I will uh, fix, the, fix it on the post that's in the group. And I will also send out an email correcting the time. So tomorrow we're going to go through how to weave all of this that we've already talked about together in order to, to create a kind of a plan for your business for 2022 so that you can really make some good leaps and strides in your author business. That's kind of what we're going for. Okay. So we're going to do that tomorrow at noon and I hope to see you all there. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to put them under the post and I will do my best to answer them. Okay. Everyone have a wonderful day and I will see you tomorrow. Bye. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.